welcome to The Science of Sex. I'm Joe Duncan. Today we're going to talk about Jordan Peterson and his idea of socially enforced monogamy. It's an idea that's gained traction, I want to say, over the past decade. Um, and we're going to watch a video clip where Joe Rogan presses him about it and asks him to explain what he means. I wanted to talk about this because there are a lot of ideas latent in that idea that um, a lot of people believe. And I think that it's important that we bring it out into the open and discuss it and uncover some of the problems with the idea. As you'll see when the video comes on in a little bit, uh, even Jordan Peterson himself struggles to explain it. Joe Rogan kind of ties him in knots uh, intellectually, which is very interesting to see, uh, especially because Peterson's fans are you know, quite insistent that he is a intellectual powerhouse. Uh, you know, not to diss them or anything like that, but, you know, there are some problems with the idea, and I would like to explore those problems. Um, so hopefully, if you're a fan of Jordan Peterson, you will come to this with an open mind and be willing to hear a different perspective than you're probably used to. This is the audio version, and just to give you a quick heads up, it's available as well on video for paid subscribers to the Science of Sex Substack where you will hear me narrate much like the audio version and then I will show the video that we're discussing. Um, so definitely check that out. And just a heads up, this discussion will be about an hour long. So make sure you have some time set aside to listen to it if you want to listen to it in full. Or maybe you can break it into little chunks if that would make things easier for you. Um, first, a little bit of science here. Uh, earlier this year, I saw a video of a naked man in his early 20s inside his apartment with his motorcycle up on top of his kitchen counter, revving the engine. He was completely naked, and obviously the bike was in neutral, so it wasn't going anywhere, but a quick slip of the foot, and he could have driven through his wall and out his apartment complex and down the stairs, and who knows what would have happened. The caption was simple. This is why women live longer than men. It was quite a funny joke, and it was a ridiculous video. Believe it or not, science actually has a term for this. It's called young male syndrome. And it's defined by men between the ages of 15 and 35 who go to great lengths to get attention, often risking injury and death. A 2019 study titled The Young Male Syndrome, an analysis of sex, age, risk-taking, and mortality in patients with severe traumatic brain injuries explored the subject. They dove into the research and uncovered evolutionary reasons for this behavior. Men take risks, they strut, they pretend to be these daring bad boys when intrasexual competition is at its peak. Basically, it's a way for men to compete with one another in the hopes of wooing women. Unfortunately, it's a very archaic behavior. Uh, in today's world of sexual near-equality, women want a man with good credit history who can take care of the pets, show up on time, water the plants, stick by his word, keep his promises, somebody who's attractive, somebody who's charming. You know, the works. Uh, they don't want a guy who is revving his motorcycle inside of his apartment naked at high speeds or high revolutions, I should say. Uh, that's just 
dated. Um, there's been a lot of changes since the sexual revolution of the early 20th century. Women haven't relied on men as much to be the breadwinners and the defenders of their safety from, you know, other violent people. The whole game has changed. Today, women want partners and companions, not lords who control them in exchange for safety or a share of the finances. The transactional model of relationships is on its way out, and the partnership model is on its way in. Uh, this is an important point that I'm going to stick to for a second here. It's important because a lot of people tend to look to the past for ideas about the present and the future, and this can be extremely misleading because society is definitely evolving. Uh, all you need to do is analyze the way that, for the first time in history, uh, written history that is, women decide who they want to be with based on how that person makes them feel, not what resources they can get or who their family is telling them they have to marry. Um, most of the royal relationships in centuries past, the people didn't even share the same bed, like ever, maybe in, except to consecrate the marriage, but they couldn't stand each other. You know, so weddings were a thing of, you know, uh, tradition and families wedding. It was arranged marriages, basically. So we all have a lot of different challenges on our plate. Men have to figure out a way to attract women by making them feel good, not by buying their affection with resources, uh, which was still a thing in the early 20th century. Like just a little over 100 years ago, men would buy a woman's affection or impress her with his, you know, physical and prowess and risk-taking ability. Um, but that's not even really a thing anymore. And I think that's why there's a lot of people really upset. This is why we see so much strife between the sexes today. The battle of the sexes rages on because people are looking for meaning in new places and they're looking for new ways of approaching the romance question. This isn't a bad thing. Of course, there's going to be some growing pains, which we're all experiencing right now. But to be honest with you, I think it's a lot better than going back to arranged marriages or whatever you have. Um, especially at first, freedom is overwhelming. We all have to make our way in this world and things aren't laid out for us by our families or by society anymore. Like We have to make our own choices. And sometimes that's a prison. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but it's definitely worth it to have the freedom of choice. Uh, some people like Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson have suggested that we, you know, toss out the sexual equality gains that we've made over the past half century or so altogether, or we try to go back socially to a time before the sexual revolution occurred, like in the 1950s. Recently on his YouTube channel, Ben Shapiro said, the true reason so many people are angry at Jordan Peterson is because he says something true but unsayable. The sexual revolution has crippled men as well as women by depriving them of the roles and purposes that make life worth living. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't derive much meaning in life from my sex role as a man. In fact, I don't derive any meaning in life from my sex role as a man. Like, it doesn't it doesn't even factor into my decision-making. I have hobbies. I have interests that I pursue, uh, traveling, learning. Uh, my curiosity is endless, and I derive meaning 
from those things and my relationship that I have built with my partners. Um, that's where I get my meaning from, not a role. And I think, I think there's an issue with this idea that a relationship, you just play out the role and everybody's happy. The two men are quite famous for rushing to the defense of men who have had a lot handed to them in today's, you know, technologically advanced society. Uh, but it, at the same time, in a changing world, these men couldn't seem to make the romance department of their lives work. This is truly sad. We shouldn't celebrate these people's pain. Uh, we shouldn't mock it. And trust me, this pain of being lonely and isolated and feeling like you're unlovable is like torture pure torture. It's despair. Uh, but at the same time, these two men, Peterson and Shapiro, sometimes create a zero-sum atmosphere around the conversation of sexual freedom and monogamy. Rather than asking how we could keep the sexual revolution intact and help these men get their acts together, they dedicate an enormous amount of their time to attacking the sexual revolution head-on. To their credit, uh, in the video we're about to watch, both Peterson and Rogan say, yes, these these boys need to grow up and become men, and that's why they're not attractive to women. Um, this is true, uh, but that's kind of a footnote compared to how often they attack the sexual revolution head-on. Just recently, Shapiro outright has, and both men have looked upon it with scorn as the thing that have destroyed relationships. And perhaps it wasn't the sexual revolution, perhaps it's the simple fact that how we conceptualize love and sex and relationships has changed over the past century. And I don't think there's any way to go back. Once you learn about viruses, for instance, you can't unlearn it. Um, you can't just all of a sudden ask the entirety of society to unlearn its knowledge about viruses. And I think knowledge about how relationships work, what people want, what people desire, have influenced the worldview we have about sex and relationships today. In a sense, the men kind of, I'm not sure if they intend to, but they, to people who detract from their worldview, they paint a picture of an ugly world where women's sexuality is held hostage by the most violent men who would threaten to become violent if not given equal sexual opportunity to find a partner. The solution, of course, is to go back to monogamy, even though monogamy is kind of the status quo already. Uh, to go back to a more traditionalist society. Um, so if you poke around the manosphere, you find it's a common trope that comes up repeatedly that non-monogamy is detrimental to society. From Ben Shapiro to Jordan Peterson, it's a common theme among right-leaning internet personalities. Uh, and all these guys usually have an army of aggrieved men as their audiences, though it's important to note they have very diverse audiences, and it's not just a bunch of angry white men. Nonetheless, it's a subject I wanted to hit head on because there's a lot of myths involved in it, and I think that talking about it at length would perhaps help us all understand a little bit better, you know, the reality of the sexual and romantic climate today. So without further ado, let's begin. What, what, I guess they call themselves incels, involuntary celibates. When all this stuff went down, when this guy drove his car into a group of people, it's a horrible tragedy. Um, one of the things that you talked about with incels is that, and this was a, a part of the role, what was it? It, it was New a New York, York Times New York hit Times, piece. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you said one of the cures for this is enforced monogamy. Mm -hmm. 
people decided, and you know, I had never heard that term before, quite honestly. And I was like, well, what, is, what the fuck does that mean? It's a psychological term. And what it means is enforced by culture, that it is a good value. Monogamy, yeah, because right. polygam polygamous societies tend to become ultraviolent. All right, so Peterson is coming out heavy-handed here with the claim that polygamous societies are ultra-violent. Um, first, I have a question of causation. Um, is it that polygamous societies become ultra-violent because they're polygamous, or is it that authoritarian despots who are ultra-violent and rule with an iron fist and unchecked power build harems and steal all the women in society? So, first off, there's the question of causation. Yeah. And that's been known in the anthropological literature for 100 years. Okay, so he's digging out anthropological literature for 100 years. There's a lot of more recent stuff. Uh, the stuff from Helen Fisher shows that societies tend to have a relationship turnover of about four years. That's called the interbirth interval, where uh, two people get together and a woman has a child roughly every four years. And in most societies in history, uh, people would then change partners. And then in some societies, of course, those people stay together and then they continue to have children every four years. The reason for this is because, according to evolutionary theory and Fisher, along with a lot of other um, kind of more modern scholars, the reason for this is that people evolved to stay together just long enough for the child to reach the age of four, which happens to be about the time in more natural societies when a child begins to wean off of milk and starts eating solid foods. And it's also a time of fruition when the child goes from being very likely to die in nature from famine or disease to being very likely to live in adulthood. So basically, if a kid makes it to four years old, in nature, the chances are really good they're going to grow up to become an adult. So um, evolutionary theory says nature evolved deep, passionate romance that lasts roughly four years at a maximum as a way for us to make sure that any children that were born from that romance make it to the point where they're likely to survive. And, and certainly leftist anthropologists were among those who discovered it. Like, she knew, the journalist knew perfectly well what I meant by enforced monogamy. I'm going to also pause it here. Uh, to go back to the point that polygamous societies become ultra-violent, uh, the Emperor Caligula was an ugly human being, and he made it a habit of crashing weddings. And he would march in with the Roman army troops, you know, in, with swords and armor, and he would sometimes have the husband killed, but not always. And he would basically just steal the bride and take her back to the, you know, royal palace or what have you for a one-night stand. Suetonius describes this. Uh, a lot of other Roman sources describe this. Um, that tells me that it wasn't sexual opportunity and sexual freedom that caused Caligula to do that. But it was a violent man with unchecked power that allowed Caligula to become ultra-violent and do whatever he wanted sexually to whomever he wanted. So it's important that we don't mistake the causation here. Basically, I mean, Peterson's arguing that if society becomes sexually free, then people become ultra-violent. And now we're just talking about the people at the top, but he's going to talk about the people on the bottom of society. 
Anyways, in modern uh, modern times, Saddam Hussein's kids did the same thing. They would crash weddings and steal the bride or execute the, the groom. and It, it was really horrible. Um, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's just a fact of reality. She's yeah, not but it's stupid. It's a... You use it as if everybody would understand it because you're an intellectual and because you're a professor and this is what also, you do. It was also two minutes out of a two-day conversation. Yes, you know, yes. it's like, so it that's was something all she we needed. just glanced over. Well, it's so that was funny in some sense because my sense is if you want to pillory someone, you should attribute to them views that someone somewhere has had. And the implication of that part of the New York Times article was that I wanted to, you know, take nubile young women at the point of a gun under state enforcement and deliver them yes. to useless men. It's like yes. no one has ever believed that. Peterson's actually right here. I don't think I've ever heard him say something to that effect. So I'll give him credit there. But, so that, but it that, sounds like that. <laughs> it's a real, the optics of that, that statement are very bad. But I'm glad to see Rogan telling it like it is. Uh, the optics of that statement are very bad. Um, and making sure that Peterson explains himself properly. The, the, the question is, why didn't why wasn't there follow-up questions and if there was follow-up questions to get you to define what you mean by enforcement well there were they, they just were. didn't make it into the piece well that's a real problem yeah I he's also being very fair to peterson here so he's not um, taking him to the cleaner for no reason um so i think that's why joe rogan is so completely popular because he doesn't try to steer the conversation in one particular way or another to suit uh like a small niche of people he just kind of lets it unfold it's a real problem. That's a yeah, real problem yeah, because yeah. that's that that well, is it's so, an, it's so ridiculous because it's an inaccurate definition <laughs> well, of who you are. Well, if, one of the things I've said continually, I'm, and this is on record in multiple places, it's like, okay, so you're a young man, mm -hmm. and all the women are rejecting you. Who's got the problem? It's not all the women. Again, I'm going to give credit where credit's due here. Uh, Peterson is speaking to a very valid point here that you know these guys really need to get their act together and rogan agrees um but it starts to go downhill from here on out that's right. a bad road to go down if all the women are rejecting you it's you we both agree on this but why is enforced monogamy the solution for people that are involuntary celibates well it's the solution to the it's the solution to the relationship between men and women fundamentally is monogamous yeah, social but these norms men are unattractive Here's kind of a, another loaded assumption that Peterson brings to the table. Uh, it basically says that nothing beyond the typical monogamous relationship is going to work, um, that it must be within typical monogamous social norms. So he's kind of got circular reasoning here. If these oh, men well, are the unattractive, to them. but if these men are unattractive to women, I don't mean just physically unattractive. I mean, women aren't seeking them as mates. Mm -hmm. They need to become men. Yes, they certainly do. This is That's what it the is. solution. That's the solution. Absolutely. And we man. both agree on this. So, yes, but, but they need to do that in a society where monogamy is the social norm. But Again, uh, currently, monogamy is the social norm. So Peterson is basically saying there's a problem with relationships today because society is not monogamous anymore. And we need to go back to a society where monogamy is the social norms. But in our current society monogamy is the social norm and if you don't believe me don't take my word for it in about five minutes jordan peterson is going to say those exact words himself which kind of brings the whole thing full circle it brings it back to like why are we even having this conversation in the first place isn't That's it all. the social norm anyway well that was partly my point although 
to the degree that we deviate from that, we tilt towards a more violent society. I was but making I a very minor point. I don't think they're related, quite honestly. I don't, I don't think that involuntary celibates, I don't think that having enforced monogamy as a part of our cultural norm is going to help those people. I well, really it does, don't. It does. How's it going to help them? Well, because what happens is if a polygamous society develops, mm -hmm. which is the alternative, then a small minority of men get all the women. That's what happens. Oh, okay, I and can so that, see that's that. All, that's the only point that I was making. Theore theoretical world where polygamous societies exist en masse, and then you do have this problem where there's a, a small group of men that are fucking all the women. Here's another assumption. Peterson is basically setting up a false dichotomy, that there's only two ways to have a society, and that's a kind of strictly socially enforced monogamous society, and the more we deviate from that, as he says the more violent will become, and the other side of the spectrum, which would be polygamous societies that are ultra-violent. There are a lot of different ways that people love around the world. There are still societies that embrace open relationships, the Etruscans, you know, the people who conquered the Romans for a couple hundred years before the Romans became an empire. Uh, they really loved cuckold relationships and wife swapping and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, the women would just walk around naked all day, and the men would just revere the fact that their wives were walking around naked, and these powerful, strong women. Um, so I don't think that there is the connection that he thinks it is, and the spectrum that he thinks it is. Like, there's polyamory, for instance, right? Uh, and there's plenty of societies still today, a lot of tribal societies, a lot of, you know, preliterate societies that still practice polyamory, and don't practice monogamy. So... It's a very narrow worldview we're talking about here that's being forced upon us, but there are a lot of different options. But that's not what we're talking and about. And also making the women unhappy, right? Because the women don't have any access to a genuine, intimate, one-to-one -one relationship over any long period of time. Another bogus assumption. Um, I've known people, I know people right now who are in polyamorous relationships that they've been in for 10 years. Uh, I know people very closely who have been in polyamorous relationships for five years. Uh, so the idea that uh, sexual exclusivity is necessary for women to be happy is just not true. I don't think sexual exclusivity is necessary for a lot of people out there to be happy. And some people might need that, but not everybody. So making these broad sweeping claims that people are going to be unhappy if there's not strict monogamy is disingenuous to say the least which so it is doesn't what the work women well. it's the the whole and, idea and, is and that the women want too. that right mm -hmm. oh god the appeal to children please spare me listen to both shapiro and peterson how i live how i love how i you know guide my life within the confines of my own home as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else it really isn't your business um, in no way, shape, or form does my relationship or do LGBT relationships or what have you, uh, polyamorous relationships, in no way do they affect people outside of that dynamic. It doesn't, somebody's polyamorous relationship in Florida doesn't affect somebody in South Dakota. Um, and to try to argue that there's an overarching theme that the more people slip into what is kind of being framed as decadence, um, that it's going to degrade society and people are going to be violent and bitter and miserable. It's kind of belied by the fact that polyamorous people are quite the opposite of that.
very frequently. They're usually overflowing with love. They're usually very joyous. Um, so it's not necessarily true. Sure, if you have children. Right. Um, but I, don't, I still don't think that that is why these men are involuntary celibates. And I don't think it's the solution to that. I think the solution is that they need to become attractive to yes, women. Yes, that is the solution. Yes. There's no doubt I don't, about that. I don't think the two are related. Well, the only, the, I was making a minor point. The minor point was that one of the ways that societies around the world have figured out that you keep young male aggression under control is by enforcing monogamous standards. Again, there's a, a problem of causation here that he says basically everybody was violent until we had monogamy and that that's how societies figured out how to keep people under control. I tend to think it was liberal values, scientific enlightenment, uh, the building of fair and secular institutions that did that. Because, I mean, if you go back to very monogamous societies in the Middle Ages or the early Renaissance, Henry VIII beheaded several wives. And, you know, I mean, that was technically a socially enforced monogamous society. And there were a ton of peasants who had nobody while the rich aristocracy got whoever they wanted. Um, so that kind of defeats his points here. Because it gives everyone a chance in some sense. So that's it, the it only point that I was chance, making. Meaning it, it clears more, uh, more women will be available for one-on-one -on -one relationships yes. rather than one guy who is some, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, yeah, some well, you see large this, you figure see, in society. Yeah, well, you see this happening in, in universities where women outnumber men. So the men hypothetically have more sexual opportunity, but that isn't what happens. What happens is that a small minority of men have all the sexual opportunity. A fairly large minority of men don't. The women are unhappy because they can't find a committed relationship. It's bad for most of the men. And the men who have all the sexual opportunity get cynical. Now, again, I'm going to stop this because I distinctly remember Henry VIII having a grip of wives. He would just behead them when he got tired of them. Um, history, even in monogamous Christian societies where that was at least, uh, you know, in, in name, the, the way that they set up their society is littered with leaders and lords and overlords and powerful figures who acquired a lot of women. Um, and a lot of people who were just dirt poor, who, you know, survived on nothing but bread and grains and they went without. And that's, I think, the entirety of, of most of, of human history. So I question this world that Peterson thinks we'll be going back to. Maybe it's the, I don't know, the 1940s and 1950s, like a 20-year window in history. Um, but that seems like a very difficult period to try to maintain, to just take 20 years out of history and say, let's do the rest of history, of the rest of the future, like this 20-year period, that seems very, very difficult because that period was influenced by a lot of events, especially two great world wars in Europe. And, you know, like that's not something that you can just easily replicate here and now. But isn't this in some ways against your whole idea of equality of outcome because you're you're talking about equality of sexual outcome now if these men if you, See, you have a guy like a lebron james mm -hmm. that's a dominant <clears throat> basketball player that just kicks everyone's ass this is the this this is a guy who succeeded at the highest level right well there's going to be people like that sexually hmm huh? There's going to be people that are better at finding mates, and th this is what they enjoy. They enjoy having many mates. Yep, they enjoy term. being, yes, but, but if this is what they enjoy, 
if it's a man who doesn't want a family and enjoys dating multiple women, why is that bad? Well, the, I think the fundamental reason it's bad is because it's bad in the long run for children. Back to the children again. Save the children, everybody. You can't have relationships that you want to have because it's bad for children. Like, I, I think it's pretty clear here that he has no idea that polyamory exists and that there's people out there who have multiple partners uh, who also take care of children and they have a more communitarian approach to their relationships and their family lives. And they're all over Instagram. I mean, you can just search them out, search for triad, hashtag triad, you know, hashtag polyamory, and you will see lots of people raising children uh, with multiple relationship partners. So he's kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater by saying, okay, we have to go back to this one relationship style that's very strict and very difficult for almost everybody on earth. Otherwise, everything will get violent and everything will fall apart. And we have to do that because we have to appease the most violent men in our society. That sounds like a hostage situation. Like, I know a hostage situation when I hear one, and that's a hostage situation. It's like, there will be violence if you don't force the world to live the way that I expect them to live, or the way that these violent men expect them to live. Now, a quick note, throughout history, in all societies, powerful men have had access to an abundance of women, as I said. Um, you know, usually some amount of coercion and force is, is involved, and let's not pretend that these societies weren't all highly patriarchal. Um, it seems to me the link isn't between non-monogamy and violence, but between patriarchal kind of uh, aggressive male values and violence. And that doesn't mean all men. That means that uh, when you let very, very dominant masculine men, um, it, you know, in, in the dominance hierarchy, people who are obsessed with power run your society and make the rules, violence tends to be the outcome. Uh, don't take my word for it. James Prescott, uh, anthropologist in the 1970s, dug through tons of anthropological data since, you know, since the 100-year stuff that Peterson was quoting, uh, and he found that societies of all stripes all across the globe tended to either be more loving or more violent. And the more a society endorsed sexual openness, the less violent they tended to be. Um, this includes non-sexual openness as well. Um, things like, you know, a mother and a child relationship, um, you know, parents touching their children, hugging their children, um, being able to breastfeed in public and not being forced to hide your affection for somebody. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there were, um, societies that shunned sexual openness and affection and the openness of affection and physical touch was shunned a lot more, and that tended to make much more violent societies. It's bad for children yeah. if he chooses to have children. Yeah, well, that that's makes it. Sense. But, that, but that's it. That's, but that's the it. fundamental issue, as far as I'm concerned. Right. And then I think it's the answer. Look, to give um, the journalist credit. Wait, so are we throwing out the entire thing that he just got done saying about violent men and society will become more violent the more we stray from monogamy or not? That is the point she was making, mm -hmm. you know, apart from pillaring me and, 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 and caricaturing my perspective. That was the point she was making. Well, first of all, I'm not in favor of unbridled hierarchies. Like I already said that, you know, the proclivity of a hierarchy is that all the spoils go to the person at the top. Right. And that can destabilize the whole structure. Yes. So we have to have a dialogue about how to rectify that. But how and could I'm, you possibly rectify that if one man is, like, say if we've got one six foot five beautiful man 
who's got a perfect body and he's yep. brilliant and he just wants to date a bunch of women yep. and all the rest of the people are five foot one and they're fat and they're lazy and like this guy's gonna if this is the competition he's going to win yep yep there's well, no way around this and yep. even well, if you decide happened? to have enforced monogamy where it becomes a popular thing the women are going to be more drawn to him if he chooses to date them they might decide i would rather have him sometimes than never that at is, all that is actually what does happen but what is wrong a, with that well what's wrong with it is that it destabilizes society and it's bad for children right so now we're back to destabilizing society and bad for children we're getting no explanation for how this happens you said that yeah, but, that's but what if what, they don't want it. to have children but there's a lot of people that don't want to have children there's a lot of people that choose to go their entire life without having children there's men in their 30s I'm one of some of my friends have vasectomies they don't want children and this is a big problem with kind of the ideology and where it's coming from it's a big problem with kind of the manosphere and siloized kind of politically minded cultures in general uh, it sounds like the logic of a fourth grader with all due respect to mr. Peterson um, you know, it's like, oh, well, the population is roughly half men, it's roughly half women. Therefore, if we implement monogamy, one man can have one woman, everything is fair, everyone is happy. Uh, but what about gay men? What about lesbian women? What about bisexual people? What about trans people? What about polyamorous people? What about people who don't want kids? Uh, what about the early 40s gamer dudes who find that video games are much more fruitful to their happiness and well-being than pursuing women and going on dates. And what about the cat lady who just loves her cats uh, more than the headaches of Tinder? Uh, there's a lot of diversity in this world and a lot of people with a lot of different views. Um, and to say that all of the people should fall under this one blanket way of loving, it cuts out all of that diversity and uh, it then again threatens that there's going to be violence and societal destabilization. For people who might be either sympathetic to or fans of Jordan Peterson, understand that this is kind of what bothers a lot of people about him. He cuts huge swaths of the population out of the equation and says that everybody needs to basically adopt his worldview. Otherwise, they're a detriment to society. That's a very, very, very big statement to make. Mm -hmm. So why why would that help in any way, these involuntary celibates? Well, I think you tilt the society so that it, it serves the interests of, well, that's a good question. Do you this is my favorite part of the whole piece, because he stops just short of saying, all right, well, we need equality of outcome. And like Ben Shapiro is famous for saying, facts don't care about your feelings. Jordan Peterson is famous for saying... I think earlier in this very interview, like 10 minutes prior, he said, uh, if you are in favor of equality of outcome, that's when you just need to be put in a box, implying that anybody who's in favor of equality of outcome is crazy. And what he really means is only when it doesn't share the values that I have. So it's very, very biased and it's a standpoint perspective. It's like, okay, if it, if it supports my values, then it's okay. You tilt the society in favor of what he was going to say is, you know, the men at the bottom so that they can have romantic relationships too, and the guys at the top don't take it all. But he doesn't apply this logic to income inequality, to, you know, um, I don't know, justice in the courts, to things like that. There's a lot of different social issues that he doesn't apply the same logic to, but only the ones that he cares about and his audience cares about, which is, yeah, that turns a lot of people off to him.
Do you, you see my point? Where I you do. Almost I do. Look, a, I see your point. There's no doubt about it. You're almost having. You're almost forcing an inequality of outcome. I know that one. That was her point too. Mm -hmm. To the degree that she had a point, that was her point. Now and but I but it's not. It doesn't run contrary to my opinions that the issue of outcome has to be addressed. I already said there needs to be a reason for the left and the right. Mm -hmm. And see now he's going to just like switch course and start appealing to politics. He's no longer talking about society. He's no longer talking about uh, men finding romantic relationships. He's talking about the left and the right getting along. So I think that's where his real motivations lie. And that's kind of what this is kind of what drives a lot of people nuts about Jordan is that a lot of the stuff he says doesn't make a lot of sense. He just throws out a lot of buzzwords or buzz concepts that fit together nicely with a certain worldview. But to people who don't share that worldview, we get no explanation what it means. He assumes that uh, whoever is watching this is going to instantly hear him say, but think about the children. Oh, but it's bad for children. And they're instantly going to get an emotional reaction to it's bad for children without having to explain how or why something he doesn't do throughout this entire interview. There's just no explanation. Um, he couldn't say, okay, well, you know, societies that are non-monogamous tend to um, end up, uh, you know, with no father at home, which makes boys grow up without a role model. Like that's a very good explanation, but that happens in monogamous societies too. America's a perfect example of monogamous societies where people get married. They intend on having a lifelong marriage. They get divorced and then they have kids that, you know, there's a lot of single moms and even single dads out there. And then, you know, one of the two parents is missing. So that's kind of defeating to that worldview. So maybe he's attacking the wrong thing here. The problem with hierarchies is that they can get too steep and destabilize everything. Right. That does happen. That particularly happens in the sexual domain. And there's plenty of anthropological evidence for that. But you still might say, well, who cares? Because the men who are, who are winning should be allowed to win and the women should be allowed to choose. It's like, right. yes, except that there's the problem of children. And so society steps in on behalf of the children. And children, again, children. With no explanation, just, oh, but there's the problem of the children, the darn children, like there's nothing. There's absolutely no reason that I've been given why I should have to adopt the lifestyle that he is uh, telling us that we all need to have. Otherwise, it's bad for children. You can say, well, lots of people don't want to have children. Yes, and that's truer now than it used to be, although many of those people end up having children anyways. You know, the guys who are sleeping yes. around all the time, so that doesn't circumvent the problem. But the issue here for me isn't the men or the women, it's the children. And we're trying to set up societies where the probability that children will be raised in something approximated in an optimal environment is optimized. And that's going to mean sacrifice of opportunity and choice on the part of adults. Okay, so wait a minute. So people who don't have children have to sacrifice their way of life so that people who do have children uh, have it easier and their children, I don't know, so that those people who are married in lifelong monogamous bonds don't get tempted to live the single life or to join a swinger community or a poly. Like, I think that's what's the driving factor here. And there's a lot of evolutionary science. I've written extensively about it um, in some of my articles. And the driving factor is that people who are in long-term relationship dynamics that are monogamous tend to view people who don't live that way as threats. 
to their way of life, which, I mean, kind of evolutionarily, it makes sense if you're trying to form a long-term pair bond and watch your children grow up into, you know, middle adulthood or late adulthood. You know, the idea that somebody could swoop in and captivate either person in your marriage in such a way to make you stray is a threat. I mean, that represents a threat. The problem is we're supposed to live in a liberal free society where people are able to choose their own way of life without being threatened with I don't know, covert violence or societal destabilization, especially when they're just like really minding their own business and finding love and not hurting anybody. So it's like the same arguments that I heard during the time when everybody was really against LGBT marriage, except for a few people. Uh, they would say, well, you know, if, 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 if gay people can get married, it's going to destabilize society. It's going to ruin traditional marriage. And now it's been like, you know, 10 years and that hasn't happened so um it's fear baiting it's fear baiting um in order to enforce a way of life that a lot of people don't want it's I, necessary i agree with you but i think that what we're talking about mirrors what we're talking about in sports it mirrors what we're talking about in business it's everything else there's, there's going to be people that are better at all different aspects of life. There's going to be people that are talented in terms of like getting women to like them. Yes, that's and, true. Well, that's why also, look, you see this. Right. Women are hypergamous, which means they mate up and they mate across and up dominance hierarchies. Okay, so a quick note about hypergamy here. Um, Peterson is right, but he's also wrong. Hypergamy is going away. It's basically, you know, where people date upwards. Um, and throughout societal history, um, at least written history, women have tended to date above their social status, so to speak. Um, I'm going to include a link in the description called Is the Golden Penis Syndrome Destroying Dating for Young Women? It's a very good talk uh, by Carlin Bacchia, and it um, basically discusses how hypergamy is on the decline. And it's on the decline precisely because of the sexual revolution that Ben Shapiro earlier was attacking. Um, women now outstrip men in the number of college degrees in basically every level. So from bachelor's degrees on up to PhDs, women are getting way more college degrees. They're on their way to earning more than men. Um, there's still a hangover because there are a lot of people who are in their, I don't know, 50s and 60s and up. And those men tend to have a lot more college degrees, a lot more education, and a lot more career opportunities than women who often stayed behind and watched the children over the course of their lifetimes. But that's shifting very fast, and women are becoming breadwinners, they're becoming educated, and thus they don't have to date up. They date people who make them feel good. And again, we really need to change the way that we think about this, because I can't go a day online without seeing somebody make a comment like, oh man, uh, you know, this woman is after money. And I'm sure there's a small subset of women out there who do, that is very appealing for. In fact, there's some science that says that there are people who are really obsessed with social status. Uh, those people are, you know, sometimes like influencers who just can't stop taking photos of themselves and getting the praise online. And then they end up making a career out of it. And those people obviously are going to date people who are also very obsessed with social status, including money. But that's not representative of everybody. Most people date because of chemistry. They date because their partners captivate them in a way that makes them fall in love, even if it's only temporarily, even if it's only for four years. Uh, someone swoops in and swoons them and boom, you know, next thing you know, you're in a relationship with somebody and 
building it and it lasts however long it may last. Um, another problem with this idea of, you know, hypergamy is that it's, even if what we grant that what Peterson says is true, um, what he's saying is that it needs to be forced upon women, that basically uh, we need to go back to a time of monogamy, socially enforced monogamy, where women didn't have easy access to divorce. If they did, they weren't allowed bank accounts. They weren't allowed in most jobs. So um, even if he's not saying that, uh, people are going to try to date up no matter who they are. I can't think of a single guy friend I've had who wouldn't date a supermodel. Like, I mean, that's just common knowledge right there. Um, but they don't have those options available to them. And so in one society, say a society where women are attracted to wealth and uh, status and um, the ability to defend the household, a woman's going to try to marry up to a man with those qualities. But in a society like we have today, where women are looking for men to make them feel good, to make them feel comfortable, to be reliable, to show up on time, to have good freaking credit, to do what they say they're going to do, um, men are going or women are going to try to marry up to men with those qualities too. And I think that's just how it works. It's like inflation, you know, inflation happens because people want to sell things for much more than they buy them for and maximize their profits. I mean, pretty much everybody wants this. So to say that it's uniquely a women's thing is a little disingenuous. And yes, it, it did used to be that women had much more options to do so than men, but that's going away. Uh, that's changing and because they don't really need to and they can um, they can kind of choose who they want based on how that person makes them feel regardless of social status and social status never needs to enter the equation. And so yes. if you're a male who's successful in a given hierarchy, the probability that you're going to have additional mating opportunities is exceptionally high. It's an unbelievably good predictor of that. That hypergamy is a very uncomfortable discussion. Yes, some it people. certainly is. It's it doesn't very uncomfortable. Matter. Well, there's plenty of uncomfortable yeah, discussions to be had. That's a big one, though. It is. The, the idea that it defines women's sexual choices by the fact hmm. that they want beggar. Bigger, better. Hmm? They want well, what, someone who's more, okay. more successful, hmm? someone who's so, so higher on the social ladder than what they're accustomed to or what they have. Yeah. Now. Well, what women do is that, like mate choice is a very difficult problem. So how do you solve it? Well, here's how women solve it: throw the men in a ring, let them compete at whatever they're competing at, assume that the man who wins is the best man, marry him. Yes. Okay, and men kind of do the same thing. They sit there and look at women and see women for whatever values that they think are important and they pick the best that they think they can get at the time. It's a brilliant solution. It's a market-oriented solution. It's actually the solution that appears to have driven our evolutionary departure from chimpanzees. It's a biological solution. It, it's a it would, biological it would, solution, it would but it has a cost. The, what is the cost? Well, the, the, cost is, the cost is polygamy. And so we rein that in with enforced monogamy. And we do that in order to provide stable, stable circumstances for children. Is polyamorous, is a polyamorous society just as unattainable as this utopian Marxist yes, idea? Yes, I think so. Because it looks like, and this is another point I was making that didn't get covered in the, in the, in the article, although I wrote about it somewhat extensively on my blog, is that societies tilt towards monogamy across the world. It's human universal. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't have polygamous or polyamorous tendencies. Again, I'm going to stop him here. I hate to stop him mid-sentence, but I'm just going to stop him and say, okay, so if monogamy is the status quo all over the world, then why are we having this discussion in the first place? 
if, you know, is he saying that we're straying from monogamy? But see, the problem with incels is already in its full stride. So you can't really argue that we've gone non-monogamous as like an aggregate whole that the large, larger portion of society is non-monogamous and therefore it is causing uh, people to become violent. You see what I'm saying? Like the majority is not there. I think I think the last study was in like 2019 or 2018 and found that only 5% of American adults are uh, in non-monogamous relationships, ethically non-monogamous relationships. So that 5% really cannot be driving the incel violence. Like, you know, even just like a basic scientific outlook on this, putting two and two together seems really, really remote. Okay, so 5% of the society went non-monogamous. Um, even if you include, you know, the less than 10% of people, certainly about 4 or 5% of people who are in the LGBTQ community, you know, you get 10% of the population, so now all of a sudden people are just turning violent. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, because it's not like those people are... Um, the people at the top who are swooping in and taking all the partners away from these men. So once you start to try to connect all of these disconnected and disjointed ideas that he's throwing at you and put them together, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because they certainly do. And it's certainly also the case that one of the women, ways that women gerrymander this system is that like the number of women, children who are in a, say, say you're married, and you have children with your husband, but you also have an affair. So you have a child by another man. That's more common than anyone suspected. So part of the way, way that women solve the problem that you're just describing, and I'm, and I'm not saying anything for this or against this, this is a purely factual biological claim, is they pick a monogamous marriage and they cheat with high status guys. Now, you know, obviously in the confines of the marriage, that's a terrible thing, but that's a very uncomfortable subject, though, for women in particular. <laughs> well, it's an uncomfortable subject for everyone. Right. But, but, it's a but terribly women uncomfortable they, subject. They don't like the idea that this is a common thing, hmm. that women choose a safe man. I'm going to stop real quick here because it's not a common thing, uh, as they're both about to say. That is willing to be monogamous with them and perhaps maybe they're above him in a social class or in uh, sexually. And then they'll cheat with yeah. someone who you is... Yeah, well, it's, com it's common, but it's not the norm, right? It's yeah, okay, so it's common and it's not the norm. Thanks. Actually, very good job of Peterson here of, of catching that and saying, yes, this is, it's common, it happens here and there, but it's not the way that most people live their lives. Like I was just saying, there are a lot of people who don't value status or even you know beauty that much. People have different values. And when we speak of studies about what people want out of a partner, whether it's status, whether it's kindness, whether it's beauty, remember that those are averages. So you know they interviewed a thousand people and they got a thousand different responses and then they just looked for a pattern and then they gave you the pattern. But that pattern isn't representative of all thousand people. It's just a pattern. So um, that being said, Jordan's right here that it's not the way that the majority of people operate. Um, you know, the world really isn't that as dark as the cynic would like to make it out to be. Still, right. the norm not to do that. The norm right. is fidelity. Right. But but there's plenty of exception. And this is enforced monogamy culturally. Yes. The norm. This yes. is the, well, the, the very definition. Well, enforced of it. monogamy is this. It's like okay, so my son's getting married in in September, and so so let's say he comes to me in a year and he says, "Hey, Dad, guess what? I've had three affairs in the last year, and they've all been successful. I haven't got caught. Aren't I a good guy? What am I going to say to that? No. What the hell are you doing? That's not what you're supposed to be doing." 
That's enforced monogamy. Enforced monogamy meaning the people around you try to guide them in a way that you think is going to lead yes, to it's, a it's, harmonious it's, family Yes, life. it's built deep into the cultural norms, and if that yes. starts to destabilize, then there's trouble. Okay. I think this is the last pause that I'm going to... Last time I'm going to pause the video here. Uh, I know Peterson's followers love him for the ability he has to give straightforward advice, but this advice is extremely basic. Shame your friends if they cheat on their spouses. Like, that's literally all he was saying this whole time. Uh, but he went down all these winding roads of it's bad for children, which never got explained, of um, it causes men to be violent, a connection which was never really made. And then when I just held it up to scrutiny, it didn't really pan out or make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, because like I said, the incels are already a thing. So how did that happen? That is a through line that we were never really given. Um, and he's saying basically that we should all do what any decent person would already do. And just, you know, say, Hey, that's really wrong. If somebody cheats on their partners, most people do this. Uh, some people don't, but Here's the big question. If this is Peterson's definition of socially enforced monogamy, and most people are already doing what Peterson suggests that we do, one, that's not really life advice. That's just saying the obvious. And two, where does the incel problem that start, started the whole conversation originally come from? And why are we having this conversation in the first place? What he could have just done is say right out the gate, hey, what I really meant to say was, uh, you know, when people stray or they talk about cheating their partner, we should shame them. Um, and it's a good thing to shame people who cheat on their partners. That's all I mean by socially enforced monogamy, and the whole conversation didn't need to happen. But he wanted to insert a long diatribe about society and women and about how, um, you know, um, societies that don't have the strict monogamous model that he's talking about leads to women's sexual freedom, which is inherently a bad thing because it lead to, leads to violence and it damages children. And about how we're failing men by not tilting the scales to even out society so that the bottom men can have access to romance. Uh, Rogan was definitely on top of his game here. He called out every single questionable line. Uh, and, you know, he didn't let it slide, which is really cool. Here's the thing, and it's common in arguments about touchy topics like society and relationships. Um, some people base their entire worldview on who they're against. And I think the reason Peterson and Shapiro have so many diehard supporters is because those supporters have had their feelings hurt by, you know, nasty people on the internet. Hey, I've been through that frustration myself. But the thing is, you can't base your worldview on who you're against. Um, the difference is between me and them is I don't decide that, hey, let's toss out 70 years of progress regarding women's rights, um, you know, because, because people are being nasty to me and I'm going to identify with these people who are defending me, uh, I have values, not allegiances. And those values conflict with what Peterson is describing here. Um, just, you know, that's just a fact. Um, you know, principles are values that we maintain when it's least convenient to do for us to do so. Principles are values that we hold dear even in the face of adversity and when people challenge them. And, you know, sometimes we lose friends over our values. That's what makes them principles, you know. Um, you know, lastly, Rogan is really on to something here. Um, Peterson isn't really rationalizing 
isn't only rationalizing defending his base, which is, you know, composed of a lot of frustrated young men, though not all, but he's rationalizing family values as a chief guiding force in society. And he's suggesting that we can't have free sexual choice and sexual openness alongside family values. Again, James Prescott's research totally uh, invalidates this. And that was in the 1970s, basically 70 years after the centuries old research Peterson's talking about. Then there was Helen Fisher's research. So there's been a lot of uh, advances in the field of anthropology since then. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just this idea that we have to prioritize family over anything and everything else. And it just reminds me of the ridiculousness of like when I was a kid in the 90s and they would put like parental advisory explicit content stickers on CD covers you know, I mean, like, like that's, that's the vibes that I'm getting from this. Um, you know, and there's really no explanation about people who are non-monogamous, but not polygamous and not inside some really confining social power structure. Uh, as I said earlier, our conception of romance has evolved and so has, um, our conception of liberty, our conception of human rights, you know, the human rights declarations weren't signed until the 1940s and 1950s. So if you think about it, uh, society has grown tremendously over the past hundred years. So there's a lot that doesn't get discussed here. And I know they're responding to a New York Times article, but you have to understand that when he makes broad sweeping statements like this and basically says that everybody needs to be monogamous, otherwise things will turn violent and children will have a horrible, miserable life. He is really invalidating people's way of life. And that's a lot of people who live that way. Sure, it might be only 10% of the population, but that's a lot of people. Um, that's millions of people. So um, I think at bottom, uh, this is why you see, um, I don't know, uh, what was it? Uh, ben Shapiro, he... he pumped out his criticism of WAP, uh, you know, that song. And sometimes, you know, Peterson will get online and he'll antagonize trans people to the point of being kicked off of Twitter. Because I think for these men, uh, and I'm taking a bit of psychological license here, but I think for these men, people like that and people like me represent a threat to the monogamous hierarchical family structure that they endorse. Um, so, yeah, it's it's... It's disingenuous, or at least the worldview is very incomplete, and it's very, very, very strongly in conflict with what we understand scientifically. Um, I will include quite a bit of links in the description so you can check out the various sources, the various research that's out there, and um, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed the talk.